Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. I work as a park ranger in a state-run park in Appalachia. It's a little over 5,000 acres with a large lake on the property, which draws in many boaters and fishermen. There are many hiking or walking or horseback trails along with several campground areas, both primitive and not, two old cemeteries and a dilapidated church that held its last service in 1943. My colleagues and I are a small team of five along with our head warden. I am one of the full-time rangers, so I'm here all the time, and can confidently say I know the trails and sections like the back of my hand. I've been doing this for just over seven years, which doesn't seem too long, but for the size of the park, I'm confident in my ability to do my job. However, things get strange, horrifying, and tragic quite often around here. Around when I first started my career with the park, I had my first encounter with something strange. We don't have gates to keep people out, nor do we charge admission, so we stay open pretty late. Usually till 10 p.m. since there are often people camping anyways. We just try to keep the average park goers away after late. If the weather is nice, I will usually take my horse to patrol instead of my PV. Personal vehicle. I can sneak up on people better that way. You'd be surprised how many people get freaked out over someone walking up to them on horseback after dark. Always gives me a chuckle when it's some tough kid trying to impress a girl. He turns and sees a huge dark figure and yells, oh shit, or something of the sort. Nearly soils his pants, that kind of thing. Anyway, this particular night was amazing, so I saddled up on Brave my noble steed and did my rounds. The problem areas with after-hours trespassers are usually the cemeteries and the old church, which is on the grounds of the larger cemetery. The other cemetery is a bit smaller and much older and sits way out in the forest. People gravitate to the one with the church because, while it's close to the road, it's large enough to hide in if you hear a peavey. 
coming, plus it's real hilly and surrounded by thick woods. The cemetery is just a short ways from our station, so the ride was only a few minutes. I came up over a hill in the road and saw a car, plastered with van stickers, parked in the small lot in front of the church. I knew then that there was probably a group of teens in the cemetery trying to scare the crap out of each other. Leaving Brave hitched on the fence by the car, I scanned the cemetery and didn't readily see anyone however, it's pitch black and there are no lights there. No electricity running anywhere near the place. I radioed to my boss at the station that I had people in the church cemetery and would let him know when they were on their way. He confirmed. I silently made my way through the tombstones, hoping to spot the group before I actually had to start yelling out over the graves in my best authoritative voice. Plus, part of me is a bit of a bully, and I love to scare the shit out of people in the middle of the night by sneaking up and confronting them when they least expect it. It didn't take me long before I spotted some faint lights over by the edge of the cemetery, near the unknown Civil War soldiers' graves. It was a group of five girls. I started walking toward them, and they must have heard me because they all turned in my direction and two screamed. I suppressed a laugh. I turned on my flashlight and lit them all up. All right, girls, fun's over. You know you can't be in here this late. They seemed relieved to find I was just a person. When I finally reached them, I noticed that they were all silent. It felt creepy and awkward, but then again we were all standing in a dark cemetery. Let's move. Come on. I pressed. They slowly started walking toward the parking lot ahead of me. As we walked I realized that something seemed off. The night was calm and slightly cool with no wind. It finally dawned on me that there was no sound whatsoever. No late-night owls, no crickets, frogs, or other fauna. Nothing which is crazy around here. The frogs will normally drive you mad with their calls at night. I think we all jumped when there was a loud pop sound from the forest to the left of us. The girls froze and huddled around me. It is at this time that I will mention I am also a lady, and at the time of this story was not many years older than these girls. So I felt like an awkward mother hen amidst them. Another pop. It sounded to me like large limbs were being snapped off trees like twigs. I shined my light over by the tree line and one of the girls hissed out. Stop. I instinctively dropped the beam toward my feet. What? I asked. One of them shoved a point-and-shoot camera into my hand with an image on the little screen. I was confused as I tried to process what I was seeing. They had taken a shot of the forest with the flash on. The whole image was still nearly black, but I could see the trunks up into the canopies. Then a shiver involuntarily shook through me. There were at least a dozen large sets of big red glowing eyes reflecting from the flash. I'm talking basketball-sized eyes. All roughly the same height in the trees. I tried to process this in my head, but another louder wooden pop shattered the air, and the six of us were bolting for the parking lot. Brave was visibly freaking out, Ripping and pulling at the reins I tied to the fence. The girls jumped in their car. I could still hear the loud popping noise getting closer. It was definitely wood. Like the sound a tree makes when it falls, creating a loud, splintering crack. I tried to think of what it could be. I looked down at the camera I had in my hands. The photo was still on the screen. Maybe they were just unusually large owls. Maybe one tree had fallen on another and caused some limbs to snap. At this point in my time at the park, I was still pretty good at convincing myself to remain realistic. I turned back toward the woods, held the camera up, and snapped another picture. The large red orbs were now all down by our end of the forest near the parking lot, still as high up as the canopies and staring our direction. I found it odd how calm I was as I walked over to the car the girls were in. I handed the camera to the driver, who had rolled her window down. I untied Brave and scooted the hell out of there. Brave was all too happy to oblige. I glanced behind me to make sure the girls were leaving. They were on our heels. I had hoped they'd come to the station to file a report with me, but when I noticed them haul ass out the park entrance, I couldn't exactly blame them. When I tried talking to my boss about it, 
He assured me it was just some dead trees finally succumbing to gravity and the eyes were most likely owls. It was pretty easy to convince me since I was already thinking they had been owls. I still make sure I never go back into that cemetery at night. If there are people in there, I have since made it a point to yell out to get their attention and let them come to me. Yes, it's cowardly, but I can't shake the feeling that those glowing eyes would still be there if you flashed a light over the dark forest. I hope that by posting this, maybe another fellow officer will read this and open up about some of the more sensitive things in their own life. I was partnered with a fellow officer who would always tell me these stories about how he was seeing this thing all over the place. He said he saw it by the 7-Eleven, and then again by an abandoned house that used to be a meth house. Finally, this thing had apparently followed him outside of town into the swamps and forest. I never once thought he was making any of it up, because you know he's my partner, that's not his style. He's very serious. But I begin to notice things along with him as well. At first it wasn't anything major, but just odd little things that you'd see for a split second. Usually when you're driving through unpopulated rural areas at nighttime. Other officers had told me that they too had been seeing something strange around their patrol zones, but were hesitant on speaking up. One night, my partner said that he was going to follow whatever it was into the forest. I was already nervous about the area of Florida because people have talked about seeing some really weird things there in the years. I tried talking him out of it, but he insisted on going anyway, so I went with him. A few blocks away from the edge of the forest, I told him to stop and park by a remote two-story house on a street corner. He parked right next to it, cut his engine off, and we sat there in silence for roughly three to five minutes. Then we heard this blood-curdling roar coming from nearby in the marshes, and my partner looks behind us and screams, Oh no! Then he turns the engine back on and peels out of there like a bat out of hell. I never did find out what he saw behind us. I didn't find out until after he'd retired that he'd seen what was making those roars, and he claims it wasn't human. I hope the department never puts him in a position to have to shoot one. I can only assume they're big, tough, and mean, but again, if there were anything like this when he saw it, who knows how much good a gun would do. If this is maybe something like a skunk ape, I'm also willing to bet that all the strange creatures out there are smart enough to not attack him after what he must have done. That's all for now, folks, but if you want to discuss this in private, go ahead and send me a PM. I'd be more than happy and willing to discuss this. This story was shared to me probably a little over a year ago by a U.S. Border Control agent who obviously wanted to remain anonymous. Some of the stories he shared with me about working on the southern border were interesting, including some Bigfoot-type encounters. But the first incident that he experienced was with a dogman, this occurred when he was still training for his job. It really shook him because he had never seen anything like it before. So he drove around with a senior co-worker, a field training officer. They were in their Ford truck driving around, showing him the checkpoints and hotspots where they usually find people illegally crossing the border. I believe he said he was working 10 or 12 hour shifts. This was at the Arizona-California border where it intersects with the Mexico border. One night, while he was still fairly new, he actually had a cold and wasn't feeling very well. They were traveling on a dirt road which was part of their normal routine. They didn't see any signs of people which they thought was a little odd, because he says he always sees trash, water bottles, or clothes or something out there. They got to the turnaround and flipped on their spotlights. They didn't really see anything. And as they're turning around the headlights and the spotlights illuminated something in the distance, his training officer looked over and said, Oh, that's probably just a wild animal. We should we go take a look? They get closer and I guess at this point the terrain got kind of rough. He slowly drove forward. While observing this animal they could tell that it had dark black fur, but weren't sure what they were looking at. Maybe we should just leave it alone. He was really urging the training officer that they should get out there. His response was no. 
We need to go check it out. Then it clicked with the training officer that something wasn't right. It looked like a bear hunched over while eating something. They got within 30 yards of it, a good distance, but still close enough that they could see what was going on. At this point they flipped on another set of bright lights from the light bar on the cab roof. This creature lit up, then it stood up. He thought it was a giant man with a fur coat. But as it turned around he noticed that it had this dog's head, like a wolf's head. It was all black and you could see the eyes. The eye shine was reflecting an amber tint. It was very muscular and had broad shoulders. It was way too huge to be a dog or wolf. Then it stood up on its back legs. He immediately stopped the truck as they watched this upright canine looking at them. After several seconds, this dogman eventually took a step towards them. Then it took another step and it was closing distance. It wasn't walking fast, but its strides were so huge and it was getting closer and closer. He threw the truck into reverse. The dogman opened its mouth a little bit and hunched over, like it was sizing up prey. He quickly turned the truck around and drove away from the creature. He looks in the rearview mirror. He could still see the dogman illuminated by the red rear lights. He said he had never seen anything like that. It scared the crap out of him. They directly drove back to the station. His training officer said that it was just big dog, but don't talk about it with anyone. They didn't mention it in their nightly report. Occasionally, you'll pick up migrants that will talk about the Lobos or the Big Hairy Man and other strange stuff in the desert. Me and my girlfriend at the time went camping deep in the Everglades. We took a dirt road off the Tamiami Trail at the 40-mile bend and headed straight south into Big Cypress Preserve. After passing a few strange private properties, an old Volkswagen full of mannequins, 15-foot fences with no trespassing signs, etc. We found a campsite that was part of the preserve about 30 minutes later. We set up camp and my girlfriend points to a tiny overgrown trail leading back into the woods. I grab my machete, start clearing the path and start hiking along this old trail with her right behind me. We probably blaze that trail for about a mile and a half before she stops me. I look up and there's this old double-wide trailer a few yards off the trail up ahead. The walls and floor had mostly fallen through and was totally destroyed. After looking through it we kept walking. I'm looking down hacking away with my machete and she stops me again. There was this small cinder block shelter off the trail to the right. By this point, I'm getting creeped out trying to figure out the logistics of someone building a shelter of cinder block or bringing a double wide that deep into the woods. We were miles from any roads and we are in a swamp. It just didn't make sense. We kept walking, see more shelters, and all of a sudden the woods open up into this clearing. The shelters we had been seeing surrounded the clearing making a circle and there were old 70s style clothes on the ground, old bottles and cans, and different small tools in each shelter. We turned around, looked up and saw these two H-beams raised on series of pillars, making a railroad track that traveled above the brush from way off in the distance and ended at this site. Thoroughly creeped out, we started to circle back toward our campsite before I hear my girlfriend call me over. There was a single-engine airplane with bullet holes down the side turned over in the brush. We checked out the plane and got the hell out. About two years ago now, a friend and I were driving around some dirt roads in rural Georgia. Miles out from any civilization, we were just driving because he had plenty of gas and we were bored. Anyways, we turn off the road we were on to check another road. And as soon as we're on it, standing right in the middle of the road, dead ahead of us, about five yards from the gate is a massive white cat. We're talking mountain lion size, but fluffy like a bobcat and snow white. Of course, my reaction was to ask him if he was seeing what I was seeing, because what I was seeing was a giant albino bobcat. After about five whole minutes of making sure we were on the same page and not hallucinating, during which it just sat there, naturally we pull a little closer to get a better look at it. The thing just stared at us, so we go to get out of the truck. As soon as we opened the doors, it trotted to the other side of the gate, 
and stood there continuing to watch us. Like it knew we were completely foiled by that gate. We still go out out those woods a few times a year to try and find it again, but it has been to no avail since. Still, an amazing experience we'll never forget though. I was backpacking the river to river trail alone and was staying the night at One Horse Gap in Shawnee Forest. I set up my campsite and did a little exploring around the area walking along a cliff edge. I came back, started a fire, and ate some crappy freeze-dried meal. It's almost 10 and I'm looking at the stars and I hear from the area. I was exploring earlier this loud animal noise. It sounded like a monkey howling. I'm not an expert in animal sounds, but I do know most of the sounds in that area, since I hiked them quite frequently, and I had no idea what it was. I went into my tent shortly after and started to go to sleep when I heard, probably within 100 feet of my tent, a sound like a single big footstep. No worries, probably a deer. Then I heard it again a few minutes later and again a few minutes later. Then I heard several steps back to back getting closer. My mind was racing what it could be, but since I was alone I was prone to freak out a little more. So I just told myself to calm down it's just a deer. Then I hear the noise of something dropping on the rock I'm camping on. I'm on the side of a small cliff and the tree line is about 10 feet away. Then I hear it again. It sounded like rock hitting rock, like the rocks were getting thrown at me. It happened a few more times and then one hit my tent. At that moment I'm convinced it's a Samsquatch. I peek out the netting at the top of my tent and scream as loud as I can, hey. After that I didn't hear anything, rocks or footsteps. And I just wanted to go to sleep so I wouldn't freak out anymore. I told myself it just had to be acorns falling from the trees and eventually got to sleep. So the next morning I got out of my tent and inspected the ground. There are no acorns or pine cones or anything but rocks on the ground. I'm still telling myself it couldn't have been the rocks because they would have to have been thrown. But I pick up a rock, throw it in the air, and let it hit, and it was the exact same noise I heard the night before. I packed it up and noped out of there. I'll never forget that day at work when my co-workers and I found ourselves discussing paranormal experiences. It had been an unusually slow day at the deli with hardly any customers, so we decided to share some spooky stories to pass the time. One of the deli workers had a particularly chilling story to tell. He recounted an incident that had taken place about a year back when he and several friends were having a BBQ and decided to spend the night at his house. The way he told the story made my spine tingle with anticipation. According to him, they were all gathered on the back porch just enjoying each other's company and talking late into the night. Everything seemed perfectly ordinary until, out of nowhere, one of his friends let out a startled yell and pointed towards the tree line. All eyes turned to where his friend was pointing, and there, standing by a tree, they saw what appeared to be a human figure. The atmosphere on the porch suddenly shifted, and a sense of unease settled over the group. They were all frozen in place, trying to make sense of what they were seeing. But the terror didn't end there. In a matter of seconds, the human figure seemed to transform into a canine shape right before their eyes. The creature vanished into the woods, leaving the group dumbfounded and shaken. The deli worker who had shared the story swore that none of them were drunk or under the influence of any substances. They didn't want to behave recklessly around the children who were also present at the gathering. As I listened to his story, I couldn't help but feel a mixture of fear and fascination. It sounded like something straight out of a horror movie. I could only imagine the fear and confusion they must have experienced at that moment. After hearing this tale, the curiosity in our group grew, and we couldn't help but wonder what they had encountered that fateful night. Was it a trick of the light, an optical illusion, or something more supernatural? We couldn't say for sure. But one thing was certain. There was something eerie and unexplainable lurking in those woods. As the day at the deli continued, we often found ourselves glancing towards the tree line, half expecting to catch a glimpse of the enigmatic figure ourselves. 
The Delhi worker's story left a lasting impression on all of us, and we were left with the haunting question what could possibly take on the form of both a human and a canine. The mystery remained unsolved, and we could only wonder if there were more secrets hidden in the darkness of that forest, waiting to be discovered by unsuspecting eyes. We were investigating a campsite surrounded by blood and lots of reported Bigfoot activity. As we were patrolling the area on the lookout for any suspicious activity, we heard something heavy crawling through the brush, breaking branches as it moved. It stopped once we turned off our lights, and we could hear something right beside us. It was breathing very heavily, making strange noises, and suddenly we see this large dark shape jumping right between my partner and me. Before turning around to face us, it was at least eight feet tall, about five feet wide, and had yellow glowing eyes in the darkness. It stared us down intensely for a moment before turning and running off into the woods after it realized it had been spotted. I don't think it expected us to be there. We searched for footprints or anything else beyond being completely terrified about what we had just seen. But we knew our job meant that we had to follow it and find out who or what it was. My partner and I just kept looking at each other in disbelief after seeing what a creature this was. Clearly, there was nothing about this that was human in any way, shape, or form. The strange part, though, is that even though we did report this incident to our higher-ups, they didn't seem the least bit concerned. They talked as if they knew something but weren't going to tell us. Anyway, if you manage to get your hands on any sort of Bigfoot encounters or stories, I would love to read them and try to educate myself on what it is that we saw. And don't get me wrong, my partner and I were completely horrified by this still am. It's still rough to talk about, but I figured I have to at least come to terms with it. We're very lucky that this large animal didn't attack us and kill us. The night was unusually dark as I drove my truck along the highway in Arizona transporting wood logs to my next destination. The only source of light came from the headlights cutting through the blackness, creating a tunnel of visibility ahead. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The vast expanse of desert stretched out on either side, casting eerie shadows under the moonless sky. As I continued down the lonely road, my thoughts drifted away, consumed by the rhythmic hum of the engine and the monotony of the journey. However, a sudden glimmer of two glowing lights in the distance jolted me back to full alertness. Curiosity peaked. I wondered if it was another vehicle, or perhaps some sort of roadside emergency. As I drew closer, my heart began to race, and a sense of dread washed over me. There on the deserted highway, stumbling and waddling, was a grotesque creature. Its movements were awkward, dragging one of its legs with each step, and it seemed to be engrossed in its own actions. The sight of it made me cringe and shudder, 
as if a primal instinct within me recognized the unnatural and dangerous presence before me. The creature's facial features, what little I could discern from the distance, were enough to make my stomach drop to my ass. It appeared male, but its face was a horrifying sight to behold. The creature's disfigured jaw hung open, making its already ghastly skinny face appear even more unsettling. Deep, dark eye bags gave its eye sockets an empty, soulless look, and its mouth stretched wide open, creating a hauntingly hollow expression. I couldn't shake the feeling that the creature was staring into the depths of my soul. As I approached, other horrifying physical attributes became apparent. The creature had no clothes, its deathly skinny frame almost skeletal in appearance. Its height was unnaturally tall, even freakishly so, and its body was covered in layers of dirt and grime. Though hard to make out in the dim light, I could tell it probably looked white. Feeling an overpowering mix of fear and morbid curiosity, I instinctively pulled my truck to a stop. My eyes widened as I saw the creature devouring a deer right there on the road. It tore at the carcass with a savage hunger, making my skin crawl and my mind scream at me to drive away. But before I could react, the creature noticed me, its head snapping up to face my direction. It was as if the beast had sensed my presence all along and was now ready to confront the intruder. My heart hammered in my chest and panic surged through my veins. In that heart-stopping moment, I knew I had to get out of there. With trembling hands, I turned the key in the ignition, revving up the engine. The creature's chilling shrieks echoed through the night as it ran towards me with unnatural speed. Fear gripped me like a vise, and without hesitation, I slammed my foot on the gas pedal, the tires screeching as the truck shot forward. The creature lunged towards me, its grotesque features contorting with rage, but I was already accelerating away from that nightmarish sight. My heart didn't settle until I had put a considerable distance between myself and that horror. My breaths came in ragged gasps as I drove on, adrenaline coursing through my veins. What had I just witnessed? I was about two weeks into a solo three-week hike, crossing some low hills between one watershed and another. There was a little lake up in the hills, well off the beaten track, and I hadn't seen anyone for a couple of days. As I came down to the lake, I noticed a horse's saddle slung over the branch of a tree. Weird because there were no horses or anyone at all around. It wasn't cracked, looked to be in good condition, but it seemed to have been abandoned. I walked along the shores of the lake for a while. As I rounded a bush, I came across the darndest sight. A dead horse on its back, with all four legs sticking straight up into the air. If you've ever seen the movie Animal House, it was like the horse that died in the Dean's office. It can't have been dead long as it hadn't started to decompose that I could see, even though it was hot summer weather. Presumably the saddle had come from the horse. But why was it up in a tree, maybe half a kilometer away from the horse? And how had the horse died in such a weird position? And what had happened to the rider? I had just graduated from the police academy within six months when I had my very own sighting, and I still have yet to report it to my superiors. I was still in town on an early evening, on my way to meet up with some friends. I was stopped at a red light as the orange and yellow of the suns began to vanish behind the line of trees on the horizon. I noticed, out of my driver's side window, this large creature coming up alongside me. It looked like it had just crawled down from the hills and seemed to be trying to cross or travel as we both reached this intersection. It started watching me inside my car as I drove away and stayed next to me for at least a few miles before its size made it disappear into the darkening sky. The best way that I know how to describe it is that it looked like a half-gargoyle, half-human with black leathery skin, a long tail with the shape of a whip, and a kind of spade shape at the end. It appeared to have horns and sharp claws, but still looked very human in nature, wearing nothing more than what appeared to be a loincloth or possibly just a flap of black skin that was revealed when it crouched down. As you can imagine, I drove home in complete shock and disbelief, but could do nothing to get the image out of my head. 
This thing flew about 30 to 50 feet above the ground the entire time, completely visible to anybody in eye shot. What made things worse was that there was not another person around anywhere for miles, which meant I could not get an explanation from anybody. This thing seemed to have been watching me as if it knew what I was thinking and where I was going. Since this encounter, many strange events have occurred, keeping me away from the location where I saw it years ago, including hearing things outside my window and seeing very bizarre things out in the woods. I tried to pick up the trail again after moving, but after a couple of days, things started appearing inside my house as well as knocking on my doors and windows. It's almost as if it has followed me completely. The only thing that I know is that these beings are truly evil and need to be stopped. I feel like they've crossed over into our dimension and are even more monstrous than before. When I first got onto Reddit, I was hesitant about telling people what happened to me at night, but I ended up deciding that this would be the best place because I could be anonymous and fully express what I experienced. This is not a joke or fake, nor am I looking for any kind of attention, notoriety, or fame. I don't want any upvotes, none of that. I truly hope that by writing this, someone somewhere will be able to help me, and I really need it. Thank you for your time, and thank you if you were able to read all of this. Oh, and one last thing I wanted to include. I don't think this has anything to do with demons or devils. I've seen a lot of people say this online, although it feels very similar. It is not something that appears in any religious text to my knowledge, and certainly nothing that you would want to encounter up close and personal. I never expected my solo hunting trip in the secluded forests of Arizona to take such a terrifying turn. The idea was to hunt wild deer, but little did I know that I'd end up facing an unknown creature that seemed like something out of a nightmare. Venturing deep into the woods, I followed the path that led me further away from sunlight. The forest became dense, and shadows enveloped everything around me. My instincts told me to turn back, but my determination pushed me forward. As I pressed on, my senses heightened, and I caught a glimpse of movement in the distance. My heart pounded in my chest as I focused my gaze. My eyes widened in disbelief and fear as I saw what I can only describe as a monstrous entity. It stood upright on its two hind legs, and its thin, emaciated frame sent chills down my spine. Its arms were disproportionately long, almost touching the ground, resembling a gorilla trying to conceal its true height. The creature's eerie gaze locked onto mine, and I could see its crooked spine and deformed face without any horns. Instead, it had neck hair that resembled a fake mane, and its skin appeared moonlight gray, reflecting an unsettling shine in its eyes. I instinctively raised my rifle, my hands trembling as I aimed at the grotesque figure. The adrenaline coursing through my veins was the only thing keeping me steady. With a deep breath, I pulled the trigger, the gunshot echoing through the forest. But to my shock and horror, the creature sensed the danger and managed to dodge the bullet with unnatural speed and agility. Before I could react, the creature rushed towards me with incredible force. It tackled me to the ground, and I felt an excruciating pain in my side as I hit a protruding rock. Struggling to get back on my feet, I watched helplessly as the creature disappeared into the dark depths of the forest. Injured and shaken, I managed to pull out my phone and call for help. The park rangers came to my rescue, finding me battered and bewildered. They asked what had attacked me, and without hesitation, I described the chilling encounter in detail. The rangers exchanged skeptical glances, and I could sense that they didn't believe me entirely. They knew these woods like the back of their hands and had never come across any creature fitting my description. Perhaps they thought my injuries had clouded my judgment, or that I had seen a bear or some other wildlife. Regardless, they patched me up and took me back to safety. My mind kept replaying the horrifying image of that creature. I couldn't shake the feeling that there was more to this mysterious encounter than anyone was willing to accept. Four years ago, an unforgettable hunting trip took place, etched in my memory like a vivid painting. I was accompanied by my trusted companions, 
Uncle Jack, my brother Larry, and Frankie of Warm Springs, may he rest in peace. The season was perfect for elk hunting, with October-November casting a beautiful blend of colors over the landscape. Our destination was the wilderness near Mount Hood, a realm of nature's untamed majesty. We ventured off the beaten path, leaving the main road behind at the Bear Springs Ranger Station, and journeyed across the rugged ridges toward the McQuinn Strip, an addition of the Warm Springs Reservation. As we trekked through the dense forests and embraced the solitude of the wild, little did we know that an awe-inspiring and terrifying encounter awaited us. In the distance, around 800 yards away, we spotted an astonishing sight two big feet in a meadow. Our hearts pounded with both amazement and trepidation. The mass of creatures had apparently taken down an elk and were feasting on its flesh, tearing off chunks with ease. It was a sight that defied belief mythical beings, as real as the wilderness surrounding us. As we watched through our rifle scopes, captivated by the scene unfolding before our eyes, another Bigfoot emerged from the brush to join the group. Moments later, a fourth one appeared, smaller in stature, but still an impressive five feet in height. The big feet ranged from seven feet tall to the smaller one at five feet, their presence alone enough to send shivers down our spines. While we were in awe of these magnificent creatures, our primal instincts kicked in, and we felt a growing concern for our own safety. If these majestic beings could so effortlessly take down an elk, could we be their next target? The idea of being on their menu for dessert was enough to send a chill down our spines, and with that realization, we chose to retreat. As we made our way back, Uncle Jack shared a story that added to the sense of awe and fear surrounding these mysterious beings. He recounted how a friend had witnessed Big Feet herding deer for the kill, illustrating their intelligence and cunning in securing a high-protein diet that sustained their impressive size, strength, agility, and speed. Our minds were swirling with questions and emotions as we hiked out of the wilderness. The encounter had left us both amazed and terrified, forever altering our perception of the untamed world around us. We had been privileged to glimpse these elusive giants of the forest, and yet the lingering fear of what they were capable of haunted our thoughts. Since that fateful day, we continued our hunting trips, but the memory of the big feet remained etched in our minds, a constant reminder that the wild had secrets beyond our understanding. I was in the Marine Corps for about six years. When I got out, I worked for several different companies with the government. When I got out of the Marine Corps, I was not emotionally or financially stable enough to re-enter the civilian world. So after talking to somebody in the Department of Defense, I took a job at this particular base. I did know what I was getting into, but I knew it would be better than jumping out of a plane or simply blowing things up. I had heard rumors about strange bases and all kinds of top-secret projects over the years, but I never saw any proof of their existence until I began working on this particular base. It was a hot base, meaning that we had active duty personnel as well as contractors working there. The first couple of months were all pretty uneventful, except for the fact that my security clearance kept getting higher and higher. I was working in a very small office with only six desks in the room with five other people. I was the low man on the totem pole, so I got stuck in the back room with no windows. The walls must have been soundproofed with foam. Whenever somebody slammed a file cabinet door or dropped something on their desk, it sounded like a bomb going off. One day, my boss told me to follow him, and he took me down a series of hallways until we got to a special room. Inside this room were shelves and shelves of computers and what looked like either contraptions made out of metal or other materials. He informed me that these were real alien artifacts from a crash site located in Roswell, New Mexico. These were replicas from the late 1940s, and they looked pretty new. I have no idea how they made these or got these, but they also had several other replicas and models of other devices built by engineers who had studied them. I kept asking my boss questions about these artifacts, but he kept brushing me off and would tell me to focus on the work. I couldn't stop thinking about them, so I tried to do some digging on my own. 
It was not very long before I started finding my own things. We had several different projects going on, and everybody worked in a cubicle with a desk, a chair, and a computer. On the opposite wall of the room were several bulletin boards with different memos, white papers, and reminders. I was at my desk one day looking for a copy of an email when I noticed that there were several memos up there, top secret ones, and they did not have the clearance level next to them. It was the titles of these memos that struck me as odd, so I decided to print them off and take them back to my desk. I will list the titles. I have no idea what they mean. Project Grudge, Operation Bluefly, Magic 12. The project names intrigued me, so I printed them off and took them back to my desk. I opened up Google and typed in Project Grudge and Operation Bluefly. The only thing that came up were people asking what these projects were, and conspiracy theorists saying they were watching them. To make a long story short, I spent hours and hours looking through various government documents, especially anything that had to do with projects related to aliens. My curiosity was driving me crazy. To say that I got to talking to it was a bit of an understatement. Shortly after, I was monitored, and I had a talking to for observing and looking over these documents. I was actually transferred to a base across the country with all my clearance redacted. I was told the entire reason I was transferred was due to a bad attitude and not complying with my job. Of course, that was on paper, but the real reason was because they were investigating me. They wanted to know what I had found and who I was talking about. What started out as a favor to one of my best friends ended with me being transferred to another state, having to start all over again. Fortunately, I kept copies of everything I'd found, all the documents. About two months after my arrival at the new base, three weeks before I was about to be rotated out of the service, I was called into an interrogation room. I was grilled for about three hours by someone from my old base. I was told that I could not speak of anything I had seen, read, or heard. They also made me sign several non-disclosure agreements and federal documents. My life was threatened if I ever planned on leaking any of this information. I guess we'll see what happens. Now I'm going to go by the name of John Doe for this email. The short of it is this. Don't talk to anybody about anything you see, read, or hear at your job if it is not given to you on a silver platter. Government and military jobs are very dangerous for your mental health, believe me. I don't know what they do to people who talk about the things they know, but I do know what they told me, and I'm going to have to be very careful. My name is Alex, and I used to be a part of one of the most elite Navy SEAL teams. We were known for our unwavering loyalty, dedication, and commitment to serving our country. But something changed, and it shook us to our core. A rogue group of ex-Navy SEALs, disillusioned and bitter, broke away from the path of honor and duty. They formed a deadly mercenary organization, calling themselves Valkyrie and they embraced a life of selling their lethal skills to the highest bidder. The very idea of our former brothers-in-arms becoming enemies of the state left a bitter taste in our mouths. Their actions were brazen and reckless. Valkyrie embarked on a spree of high-profile heists, disrupting peace and threatening global stability. Their targets were high-value assets, and each successful operation fueled their dangerous reputation. As the chaos escalated, our government was left with no choice but to deploy an elite counter-terrorist team, which included me and some of my former comrades, to confront the rogue SEALs. The mission was personal for us, as we felt responsible for bringing our wayward brothers back from the brink. The game of cat and mouse between our teams unfolded across continents, with Valkyries striking with ruthless precision and disappearing into the shadows. The line between friend and foe blurred as we hunted those we once trusted with our lives. Emotions ran high, and loyalties were tested at every turn. With each encounter, it became evident that our former teammates had truly turned into adversaries. Their hearts had grown cold, and their actions proved that they were willing to sacrifice anything for their twisted cause. In Yemen, we received intel that Valkyrie's enigmatic leader, known only as Black Eye, was holed up in a heavily fortified compound. 
The tension was palpable as we prepared for the final confrontation, knowing that this would be the moment of truth. The compound was a maze of danger, and we moved with utmost caution, aware that any misstep could lead to disaster. The familiar scent of gunpowder filled the air as the sounds of gunfire echoed through the corridors. The faceless enemy we once called our own, now adorned with a Valkyrie insignia, confronted us with relentless fury. It was a battle of wills, skill, and determination. The stakes were high, and we knew that failure was not an option. In the heart of that compound, amidst the chaos of the firefight, I found myself face to face with Black Eye. His eyes were cold and devoid of any semblance of the person I once knew. It was a painful reminder of how far he had fallen. The seconds felt like an eternity as we locked eyes, and then it happened. I pulled the trigger and Black Eye fell, his lifeless body crumpling to the ground. It was a moment of closure, but it also brought with it a heavy burden of regret. The explosive showdown in Yemen marked the end of Valkyrie's reign of terror, but it also left scars on our souls. Our hearts were heavy as we returned home, knowing that we had lost brothers on both sides of the battlefield. I think I had an encounter with Wendigo. My friends and I recently went to Sierra National Forest for a camping trip, about two hours deep for dispersed camping. The day was wonderful. I personally ended up falling asleep fairly early 10 a.m. When I woke up, half my group was in shambles from an unsettling story. Our campsite was all close together. However, one of the individuals slept in a hammock about 50 feet from everyone else's tent. When we woke up, he had us if anyone else heard me scream his name. The strange thing here is I've referred to him by a personal nickname rather than his name for years. He had expressed to us that he heard the yell of his name in my voice around 3 a.m. and it sounded far away, however nobody else heard it. Just thought that was very strange. This happened about two weeks ago and we're still chatting about it as a collective. I can't tell you what I saw that day, but I can describe it. I lived in Skycomish, Washington for a couple years and was curious about Sasquatch. I've had a couple of experiences, but this was different. I was out for a walk with my dog one afternoon in the summer of 2018 and turned to see something watching us from behind an embankment. It looked like a tree stump. I stopped and stared at this thing for 30 seconds. It had owl-faced features, but it was huge. The head of it was sticking up from behind this embankment, and it was the size of an old growth tree stump. I was close to this thing about 20 feet away. I could see its eyes were closed but squinting to observe me. It almost seemed sloth-like. It had designs that were a cross between bark lines and owl pattern marks. I felt no fear at all. I was staring at it and said, What the hell is that? My dog didn't notice it. After a bit, I looked down and stepped forward without feeling threatened. When I looked back up, it was missing. I stood there for a minute, then got spooked and went home. I walked back to that spot and stood there every day looking for whatever it might have been I saw that day. I walked behind the embankment one time and sized it up to be about six feet tall, so whatever I saw was about seven, two, or eight feet tall, I estimate. There are lots of super eerie calls in the area, a lot of Sasquatch. I believe there are other undocumented creatures as well. I have some photos of odd things, but did not have my camera on me that particular day.